Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Oh mama, can this really be the end? To be stuck recording a podcast with Jeremy Schmidt again? Hello and welcome to <laughs> wow. Little Marty, the only podcast on the internet dedicated to, co- to covering the works of uh, Adam Sandler, Martin Scorsese, and Bob Dylan. My name is Eric uh, Zanzinger. Ah, Eric Zanzinger. right. And my name is Jeremy Isis. Thank you for uh, <laughs> thank you for uh, joining us today on this uh, Dylan Tastic episode of the show. Yeah, I gotta say, outside of the context of this show, you you might not want to call yourself Jeremy Isis. Oh, is that is is there something else called Isis that's not just the Bob Dylan song? Yeah, you might want to uh, just Google the letters I S <laughs> twice. <laughs> Uh, Eric, we're back at it again. Another Scorsese episode and Dylan episode. We've this is all feeling so familiar. Yeah, you know we uh, we we did the what the heck's it called? What is the name of that freaking? No direction uh, it, home. It, no, yes, I almost said no country for old men. Yeah, which we, we did, also we did that covered. too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, it's um it's it's a it's a slightly different purview into the Dylan to the whole Dylan thing. You know, it's not this these are two way different documentaries, I'll tell you that. Um Yeah. Yeah, much um, different. I I and I'll say I much prefer this one to No Direction Home. No Direction Home feels like it takes a very broad overview of dylan's like early years and feels very traditional and it came out a long time ago so it is pretty traditional this feels like a more modern like take on the documentary format but also it's like from a whole period of dylan's career we don't hear about a lot yeah i uh i really like that this was my first time seeing it all right you've been telling me um that i'll like this one and i i was definitely Definitely a fan. Um, yeah, I mean, Dylan and even like, you know, the Rolling Stones and mm. the Beatles, uh, you just can't do, you got to do documentaries like these, you know, you mm-hmm. can't, you can't reach for, reach too high, you know, you yeah. gotta, cause you're just not going to be able to cover everything in as much depth as is required. Whereas this is like having a whole movie just about this. Mm-hmm. Is perfect. I I think you know, so if, too. Yeah, because they can really get into the weeds with what was going on. It really is a documentary about one year, for the most part. <laughs> yeah, it's like 1975. Yeah. I think it's just kind of one big long tour. I guess two years. 1976, 1975, 1976. That's perfect. I think you're absolutely right. I'd much rather see like a documentary about a tour or the making of one album than kind of a long thing about just someone's life where you get little nuggets but not you don't feel like you know the person when it's over yeah Yeah. i love an album documentary there's a what was the last one i watched was um i forget what it's called but the making of uh wildflowers the tom petty Mm -hmm. album yeah that's great it's great. You get the, you know, you get freaking, I think Rick Rubin was the producer on there. You get, uh, you know, people from the band. You, you you watch the whole process. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, those are really fun. We're big music fans on, on this, uh, on this, uh, podcast. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Another great one too is I'm trying to break your heart, which is ah uh, yes, it's that's a, a good one. A film, a colon, a film about Wilco. It's uh, about the making of Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Um, yes, good stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, great, great, 
great stuff all around too. And like, you know, there's uh, there's documentaries not unlike Dig, which just chronicles sort of like a moment in time, right? Which is like the uh, the Brian Jonestown massacre, Dandy Warhol's sort of feud. Like a very specific. Oh, I haven't seen that. I want to. Oh, I wanna you should watch this. it, dude. It's great. Yeah, it's a 2004 documentary, sort of about like the revival of whatever kind of like 60s rock and psychedelic rock and roll was going on with the Dandies and the Brian Jones Massacre. And yeah, it's, it's like I, I love these little snapshots. It's kind of what a documentary can do really well. One of the things it does really well is it can snapshot a moment in time, really put you there, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh well Jeremy, you know, I'm I'm I I'll have to get into it more on the Patreon, but it's freaking doc fever over here uh-huh. at the uh, <laughs> at at the at the castle. Uh, I live in a castle by the way. Right. Um and uh yeah, I you know, I I, I fired back up the Netflix Netflix subscription for the uh Why did I fire that up again? What did we just cover? Was it for this? Yeah, it must right. have been for this because it's on Netflix. And uh, brother, I've just been watching. I, I watched the Woodstock '99 documentary. Oh, I watched that's the, great! Uh, <laughs> that's a great the fire. Yeah. The the Firefest one. I watched. Uh, I I got a couple. I got some doc talk wow. to uh, to get to get through on Patreon. So, dude, let's do a new segment. Doc talk. I like doc talk, but I feel like it's. Hmm. I don't know. Well, Doc Talk is the uh, is the what's it called? Like the the placeholder name. Okay. I, I could, the reason I say that is I think that uh, there's probably something else called Doc Talk. It just seems too easy, you know. What about Doctor Documentary Talk? Doctor Documentary Talk, MD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's got a nice ring to it. Yeah, it flows. Uh, flows nice. Yeah, let's okay. We'll do that okay. over on the Patreon. <laughs> okay, great. But uh, Patreon, you know, we got a Patreon, and if you're listening to this, you're gonna like our Patreon even better because we're doing stuff that the fans tell us to do. We're we're uh, doing a whole month right now of Brendan Fraser movies. Um, we are uh, we do themed months. We do uh, we've done whole. You know, series on uh, we're we're finishing up the Cohen Brothers, and we did a bunch of tales from the crypt. It's ridiculous over there. I mean, mm. it's really like mm-hmm. honestly, Jeremy, it's too good. And yeah, I think we're gonna have to dial it back a little bit uh, eventually yeah. here. We've cause... been contacted by authorities with a cease and desist. They said it's too good over there. Uh, if you don't stop making it so good, we're gonna come and get you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're gonna have to, but you know, before it gets less good, which I don't know, I I, I don't know that that's that'll actually happen, but maybe it will. Uh, go to Patreon.com/slash Eric and Jeremy. Uh, it's a great time over there. You can you sign up. It's five dollars for a month of new episodes, but you also get to go back instantly and and listen to. I don't know. I'm I'm just uh I guess I'm just rounding up a little bit here, but uh-huh. 200 years worth of episodes? Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. It it's so many episodes it it it'll take you I would say 200 years to probably finish it all. So just know you'll never run out of content when you subscribe to patreon.com/ericandjeremy. Yes. Uh so anyway, Jeremy, <laughs> we're talking um the Rolling Thunder review which is can i of- yeah it is can i say that's an okay. excellent title rolling really thunder good. review just boom and i love the just explanation of where the name came from right you know? yeah yeah i love it's very yeah. bob dylan just sort of like a stream of consciousness idea like you know yeah it's thunder rolling let's call it that it it evokes such a great image of like you know I don't know. I feel like Metallica had something similar with like Ride the Lightning, <laughs> which, which is like the idea that like we're coming in on a storm, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sort of AC, ACDC-esque as well. Oh, is that ACDC? Ride the Lightning? 
No, I don't oh. know. They just always a- ACDC always has like I feel like always has like lightning and electricity uh themes. Right. Right, yeah. Yeah, um this is uh so when we do documentaries, you know, well well hold on, let me even rewind a little bit b- b- before that. We when we do yeah. any episode, what we usually do is we usually hit up Wikipedia for a nice synopsis. It keeps us like engaged in uh, a flow that we're able to talk about these films in kind of easier puts takes some of the pressure off you know we watch the films we have our takes but we don't remember every single thing that happens when it happens so it usually provides a good synopsis documentaries don't really have that so we like to kind of let the conversation free flow a little bit and eric i assume we're gonna probably do something similar today is that right oh yeah okay oh yeah so we might jump around a bunch skip around a bunch you know if you don't if we miss something that you really liked about the documentary, you know, hit us up. We can do, we can always do like a little, you know, a future episode, a little like, uh, I don't know, like make good or whatever. If we miss something you really like, but, but yeah, we'll, we'll do our best to kind of cover it in a nice overview, but also talk about the parts that really mattered to us. Um, Eric, I assume this is your first time seeing this first time watching uh this documentary you know i'm a lifelong bob dylan fan i've recently gotten into uh i'd say new morning and then also uh man what the hell is the name of the album with uh isis and hurricane and uh one more cup of coffee and all that stuff a lot of the songs in this desire um desire i uh was a big I played that over and over again uh, this summer. I got really into it. Um, yeah, he, but yeah, uh, great album. Yeah, I. Uh, it's it's funny because you can like with Dylan and with the Beatles, you can be a huge fan, um, and not even be, be aware of like stuff like this. Like I didn't I didn't really know anything about the Rolling Thunder review. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know what to expect from this documentary. I almost thought it was just going to be like a single like concert uh, documentary. Um, so that's pretty much what I was prepared for. Uh, it's way more than that, and it's very cool. And there's uh, a lot of people um, in it that I also like. You know, you get Joni Mitchell and oh, yeah, all, yeah. Sorts, all sorts of people. Um, but uh, yeah, no, this was, uh, this was definitely, uh, definitely a great watch. Jeremy... You have seen this movie, correct? I've seen it, and I own this movie. Uh, I own this one. Yeah, so nice. I like. I, yeah, it's a, this. There's a nice Criterion release of this film. Um, nabbed it a while back. You never know with Netflix; they just took off Arrested Development. They could take off anything they want at any point, even if it's their own produced content. So, always nice to have a backup. Um. Yeah, but I, I saw this. I remember it kind of blew me away when I first saw it. I think I was expecting something a little bit more like No Direction Home. But uh, yeah, this is stylized in a way that I think is just like freaking, you know, way more my cup of tea. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I, uh, I and I didn't know anything about this story and I didn't know anything about this thing that had happened. And there are so many crazy nuances to it and so many surprises but um i guess we should maybe talk about like what do you want to start with like the film or what is the rolling thunder review <laughs> probably talk about what the rolling thunder <laughs> review is yeah i guess first. yeah so what do you make of it it's like a make it's like a, it's kind of a makeshift sort of concert tour that lasted a couple years in the seventies, yeah, yeah, and, but it's, and it's yeah. uh, I I guess it's you know, it's, it's, let's say Bob Dylan is the ringleader, of okay, this, of this traveling circus, it's like a circus and it's yeah. uh, you know, different, I guess, different, mostly musical acts, uh, you know, from that, from that time, from the from that that crew, you know, we got Joan Baez, Joni Mitchell, uh, Roger McGu- Roger McGuinn. McGinn, 
you know, they're toing around and they wear, uh, what would you call it? I guess like carnival, um, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. wardrobe paint, face paint. And et well, well, Dylan does. I don't, do they all? Do they all wear the white face paint? You're right. I don't think they all do. He but, definitely uh, Dylan does. Dylan definitely yeah. does. Which, so if you've ever seen that, you you kind of I like I had always seen those photos and had no idea what that was or where that came from. But apparently, it's that Joni uh, Mitchell uh, took. <laughs> Um, him to see, I think it's Joni Mitchell. No, no, no. Sorry. Scarlett Rivera, the violinist, who's a cool character in this documentary. Mm-hmm. She took Dylan to see Kiss. <laughs> yeah. And that's what inspired the white face makeup. At some point, he says it's also like Kabuki inspired, which is like a Japanese sort of like theater yeah. thing. But it, I think it's just, I think I really think it's just he saw Kiss <laughs> and liked it. And the uh the whole um the funny thing about this the whole tour and the cool thing about it is it's totally just like uh you know almost a passion project for for Dylan and a lot of these people um in that you kind of will get you know, all of this great, all of these great stories from this tour, um, from the, the performers and the, the creative people involved. But then every once in a while, you'll hear from someone who is involved in like, you know, managing the tour or whatever. Right. And they will just constantly remind you that like, yeah, this was a terrible business idea. Yeah. Because they were just playing like super tiny, you know, theaters. Um this is a this is a quote from Dylan. Uh, he said the idea behind the du- tour was to play for the people, uh, the people who never got never get good seats at his larger concerts due to higher ticket costs and inconvenient locations. Uh, Dylan chose to play in smaller auditoriums because he said the atmosphere in small halls is more conducive to what we do. So, not only were they playing like super small theaters, but it was like a bunch of performers and and right. there was a lot more that went into it than just like a, a normal Bob Dylan tour. Yeah. So who are some of these people that you might see on the rolling thunder review? It, it's uh, we got uh, not just musical performers, but we also have a, a, a smattering of like playwrights, poets, a- actors, but we definitely still got Joan Baez. She's still kicking around at this time. Uh, Ronnie Blakely, who is a actress, singer, songwriter, composer. Ramblin' Jack Elliott. He's in a he's a folk guy, kind of through and through. Roger McGuin. He's a he he was the leader. Of, he was like the front man of the Birds. Mm. Uh, Ronnie Hawkins. We all love. You know, he's another. Kind of famous piano player, singer-songwriter Larry Sloman, who's an author. Um, yeah, uh, Ruben Hurricane Carter is uh, makes an appearance in the documentary. He is the guy that Hurricane, the song, is about, the boxer. Yes. Scarlett Rivera, yes. Allen Ginsberg is back. Mm-hmm. Mr. Ginsberg is back again. He's a poet. Uh, Sam Shepard, actor and playwright Sam Shepard, a young Sharon Stone <laughs> makes an appearance. Uh, yeah, she does. He's Sharon Where? Stone, yeah, yeah. Sharon Stone as a sixteen-year-old kid huh. goes on tour with Bob Dylan. Uh, oh, that was Sharon Stone. That's Sharon Stone. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. From a uh, casino. Which is, I think, why yeah. Martin Scorsese gets this great exclusive interview with her, because they'd worked together before. Ah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Um, so that's sort of what the tour is. You can kind of get the vibe that it's like a traveling caravan of uh, m- musicians, uh, you know, sort of. And I, I feel like all of these people are also like really in love with Bob Dylan too. 
like that's another thing they all have in common is that they all they'll yeah, they would, like follow except, him into the grave. It, except for Joan Baez, which is great. Her interview's really, really right. great. Um right. Cause she's kind of uh, you know, she's had this long history with, with Dylan and now she's like on this tour with, you know, a whole bunch of people that I'm sure she uh is like in the crowd that she, you know, hung out in. But uh she she you could tell like you could tell by the way she talks about like how uh big Dylan was at the time and like how how just totally out of control his fame got. Um Right. She's got like a very grounded view of him, which is which is interesting. She tells this really great story about how she like dressed up like Bob or was that her or was that um it was Joan Baez, right? I she think dressed so. up like Bob Dylan and went to uh like craft oh, services or something. She went and to like asked a, them to Yeah. Yeah. Like she went to a party, like a party or, something. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she yeah. Uh kind of making fun of him, I think. I mean, I understand I would understand if she, at that point she just had it. <laughs> Because she had been with Bob Dylan for so long, you know, and look, I I love Bob Dylan, but man, I, I the idea of being in his like company for an extended period of time does give me the willies. Like I feel like I just wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like he seems like a, a lone wolf, like the right. kind of guy that I, you know, probably not the most fun to be around all the time. Yeah, pretty much any like good rock singer like yeah. musician yeah uh maybe a little like that hard but uh but yeah so the the film rolling thunder review a bob dylan story by martin scorsese is the full title of of it it's a, a documentary that came out in 2019 it's uh, about two and a half hours long it was distributed by netflix it's directed by scorsese produced by jeff rosen um and uh, let's see if we can get a little production history here. The project came from Dylan's manager, Jeff Rosen, who approached Scorsese with some of the tour's footage shortly after the completion of No Direction Home. So this project has sort of been in talks for a while. The director instantly agreed to do it, but was busy with other films at the time. The bulk of the work was done while he was finishing Silence, a film that we covered I think that's the last film of Scorsese's we covered, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, once again, Rosen took charge of the interviews and gave them to Scorsese. So, uh, yeah, Rosen really did did a lot of the interviewing and, and whatnot um, uh, and handed them over to Scorsese. This also, like all of the Dylan documentaries, sh- uh, shows up as a box set album, Bob Dylan, The Rolling Thunder Review, the 1975 live recordings, uh, which is which kind of goes under that weird tier of like the Bill- the Dylan bootleg series, right? L- right. Like there's like eight or ten volumes of his bootleg series, but like No Direction Home is part of that. I think this is part of that. Um. Yeah, it has a really high aggregate like meta score. Not that we care too much, but like it, it, it was reviewed very well. Its critical response was very well, was received well. I don't think, um, yeah, I don't think that uh, this. I don't know if this film ever like screened in theaters. I don't know if I like. I don't know. You know yeah, I don't. Yeah, not I, that I, I know of, but I didn't see it out there. And because um, this came out pretty uh, close to the final Scorsese movie we'll talk about on our show, which is, or like in our series of Little Marty, this came out pretty close to The Irishman. Mm. Same year, I believe. They both they both released. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's also I didn't realize a, this was that oh, recent. Yeah, it was. It just came out. Um, they also call it a pseudo documentary. I suppose that's just because. Yeah. Well, I don't know why that is. Why is it? Why would it be called a pseudo documentary? It takes the former style of a documentary film, but does not portray real events. Ah, 
Rather, scripted and fictional right. elements are used to tell the story. Huh. Yeah, I don't really know what... <clears throat> it's composed of both fic- fictional and non-fictional material. I, I, is that just because, like, stories are crazy? I don't know. Like, people can't remember exactly what happened? That might be it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so anything about the making of this that you wanted to talk about before we just get into, like, talking about it? I mean, there, there's, a, there's a few things of trivia in here. Let's see here. Dylan's... Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing. Have you ever seen Ronaldo and Clara? No, it's that's a film, right? Yeah, it's a, apparently a bunch of outtakes from Bob Dylan's movie Ronaldo and Clara are in, in in this film. Oh, right, 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 right. It was filmed in conjunction with the tour. I kind of want to see that. Yeah, I I know Bob Dylan has has a has done like a few different film things before. Um, Ronaldo and Clara is starring Bob Dylan, Sarah Dylan, and Joan Baez. Interesting. Um, Sarah Dylan was the first wife of Bob Dylan. It's also written and directed by Bob Dylan. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I yeah. I, he also was in that Sam Peckinpah movie. Dylan was the Billy the Kid. Where he plays Billy the Kid. There's a few films of Dylan's that I wouldn't mind taking a look at. Maybe we'll cover some on the Patreon. Could be fun. Yeah. Dylan, Dylan month. A little month of Dylan. Dylan's acting, which is a weird thing, you know. I'm not seeing much, uh, much other trivia though. So why don't we just talk about the. Let's freaking talk about this dang documentary, Jeremy. Yeah. And uh, I guess where do we start? I mean, well, I mean, yeah. What, do, what what's your gut telling you where to start? I know, I know. I I kind of want to talk about, or the things that I'm most excited to talk about are just the things about it that interested me the most. But we can also try to get get through the um. There there is a plot. On Wikipedia, we could just talk. I do about see it. that. Yeah, you yeah. Want, you know, we could try using it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's do that. All right. Hold on. I'm googling something very important. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sixty. Sixty-five is when Dylan went went electric. I was trying to put this into perspective here. Oh yeah. But I, I was going to say that the uh, the performances uh, of Dylan's and the selections of songs are all like top notch as far as i'm concerned i think the Real footage stuff. the footage is also so impressive to me oh yeah it looks oh, great yeah. it's a great looking film and it, and it like it it the, the era it just looks so i mean i i'm in love with the 70s period you know um that's just like my favorite kind of time time period yeah but, same um, but the 1870s right <laughs> yeah sort of the birth of america or whatever i guess that was 70 yeah I, yeah i i don't i i liked it better when the world uh when there was no uh toothpaste or toilet paper right right yeah you you're a big fan of uh wiping your ass with your toothbrush <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly right uh, the film opens with a modern day Dylan admitting he does not remember anything about the Rolling Thunder review saying it happened, uh, so long ago. I wasn't even born. He finds it impossible to get to the core of what it was all about because it's about nothing. That, that's a great, it's a great opening. <laughs> like a really great opening, I think. Yeah, it's kind of almost like a, like a Burning Man kind of a thing where it's just like, it's just like a thing that ha- it's just like an event that happens and then it's gone. You know what I mean? Like it's right. creating this whole little like world. Um and I love that it's something that, that like they like depending on where they went, uh, you know, where the tour stops were, 
they would bring in people, you know, like there's obviously the part when they're in, you know, Ohio or something and Joni Mitchell's around and she goes to see the show and ends up joining, <laughs> joining right. the tour for a while. Um, you know, it kind of, it seems like it would have been one of those really cool tours to just like go to a couple of the shows. Um, I'm looking at the, the tour dates cause I was curious where they went and it was mostly, Mostly the Northeast uh, and the Southeast, and they went to Texas, but it's mostly the East Coast, Mm, mm -hmm. which is interesting to me that they didn't even go to uh, like San Francisco. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Although this tour feels like geared towards some sort of heartland vibe or something you know true like it it definitely has that that thing of oh we're all from new york but we're pretending to be from the south or something um right yeah so i uh yeah so yeah it's it's uh it kind of makes there's like a bit of sense here in in like why it would be like not your not your average town you know uh, you know, t- towns like, cause like, like even in Dylan saying like, oh yeah, we wanted to kind of hit up venues that were more like, uh, you know, common people could afford tickets to or something mm-hmm. that feels like, um, like it was very geared toward lower income, kind of a lower class. Sure. Um, which is, uh, which is cool. Which is cool, and 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 like I kind of think that's really punk rock and fun that they took a, it all took a big financial hit, or that Dylan might have paid for some of this stuff out of pocket. It's like, right. Because like, what does he care? You know, at this point, he's like, I've done the big, huge, <laughs> famous money making machine thing. You know why not? Um, yeah. As the bicentennial of the country fast approaches and with the spirit of America particularly bleak after the country's unceremonious exit from Vietnam and the Watergate scandal, Bob Dylan decides to gather together a group of his friends from Greenwich Village coffee houses and go on an adventurous tour across New England and parts of Canada. Uh, dubbed the Rolling Thunder Review, the tour is documented by European filmmaker Stefan Van Dorp, who see- seeks to expose the hedonistic attitude of people surrounding Dylan and juxtapose it against the nihilistic mood of middle-class America. Yeah, wow. and and I think that this documentary does that really well. Like I, I you know, it's not that the doc, it's not that the documentary is particularly uplifting or anything. It, it's sort of a snapshot into the uh, heartbeat of America at the time as well. And like, and like the fame machine that Dylan, you know, so tries in his career very unsuccessfully to avoid, you know, being famous, being treated as if he's famous, being around fame hungry people. Like that's not, that's always not his vibe, but it always seems to be what he's kind of trapped in. Right. Um. Uh, along the way, Larry Ratso Solomon, uh, Sloman, uh, a reporter sent by Rolling Stone to write about the tour, tries uh, to ingratiate himself into Dylan's inner circle. A young Sharon Stone is put in charge of costumes after being taken to a show by her mother and becomes convinced uh, the song Just Like a Woman was written for her. Dylan starts to wear white face makeup on stage after violinist Scarlett Rivera takes him to see a Kiss concert. <laughs> uh, Allen Ginsberg tries to refashion himself as a singer-songwriter as the beat poet movement starts falling out of popular relevance. Joan Baez attempts to rekindle her romance with Dylan by singing with him on stage and dressing up in his stage outfit. Uh, Dylan visits a... Tuscarora Reservation in New York and performs a rendition of The Ballad of Ira Hayes. Joni Mitchell joins the tour midway through and is inspired to write the song Coyote. This part's really cool too, watching that, watching them play Coyote. And yeah. she's like telling them what the chord changes are and stuff. Dude, yes. 
That's one of my favorite songs. I didn't know that about uh, about Coyote. It was yeah. written for this. Yeah, Coyote. and she plays that on the. She plays it in the last waltz. You know. That's right. Yeah. Another definitely. Scorsese. Yeah, kind of. Uh, last waltz too. Yeah, like he. I guess they would have just been. I mean, last waltz would have been happening sort of what simultaneously with this. Last waltz. When the hell did that happen? Seventy six. Yeah, November seventy six. Very interesting. Yeah, let's talk about Ginsburg for a second. He was a big part of this documentary, and I feel like he's kind of the most embarrassing part of the documentary. <laughs> um, like, he's really uh, having a hard time when we see him now. Uh, it feels like he, he's trying to rebrand himself as a musician, but he's not good, and yeah. he's not a good singer. And Dylan is lamenting this, sort of. You know, Dylan's kind of right. like, you know, he wrote the one of the best, greatest poems ever written. And now he's trying to. Yeah, and he gets cut. He, his, his, eventually he gets like more or less kicked off the show, right? Right, yeah. I mean, he, I think it's like a agree to leave kind of a thing. Yeah. He agrees to leave. And it's sad because Ginsburg is one of the all time great beat poets american artists so it's a very kind of undignified way to see him sort of go out which i think this is the last most memorable thing ginsburg is even really a part of like i don't ginsburg doesn't have really a career much going into the 80s and uh 90s so yeah it's interesting uh yeah i've never gotten like too deep into the beat poetry stuff and, and learning about ginsburg and that whole um the whole like greenwich village thing really sounds interesting to me uh the music side of that i, I i've gotten you know more familiar with but right yeah um, the music side of it is the Stuff I'm into as well. I mean, I kind of got into some beat stuff in college, you know? Um, but, yeah, I think I think, I think think the beat poetry stuff was very much like, um, like usurped by the music scene. I think it was like before, like they were the original sort of, explorers in the in like after the 50s in the art space you know they were the first ones out there to sort of like get out and protest and and all that stuff and then the musicians came later but the musicians just were so much in my opinion more powerful and socially relevant and eventually you know like poetry today is such an interesting thing right because like who even reads poems is there can you even be a poet anymore and like and like survive? I mean, you can. I like hear about people like going to school for poetry and stuff and I yeah, yeah I don't know. Um I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I'll like um see people who are on Twitter who who are like poets or something and it'll say they're poets in their bios and they have a big following. Yeah. So maybe there are like maybe there is a whole like poetry i mean i think it's cool i i it's it's like uh it's interesting um even just unfortunately like writing fiction even or just like anything that's not like more visual mm-hmm. um is just let be i feel like is has just become less popular you right know? yeah um yeah, it's, a, it's a shame but it's that. also yeah. like it's 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 cool when people do it because it's like the most poetry is like one of the most pure forms of writing you could do probably. Um, There is a poem, a Bob Dylan, I guess you could call it a poem uh, that I would encourage people to check out. Uh, It's called last thoughts on Woody Guthrie. Oh yeah. And it's this long poem and there's a, there's a really good recording of it on one of those bootlegs. Uh, or he he recites it and it's like extremely good. Yeah. Uh I don't know how else to describe it. It's just right. very good. Um and 
I, I definitely see it is interesting how Dylan is Dylan is probably like about as close as you can get to like bordering on being a poet but still being a musician you know what I mean just sure, like these yeah. songs these songs with like eight verses and and just the way that it's his songs are constructed and the and just the way that he's able to not even like make things rhyme but like piece words and syllables together you know in certain ways um right yeah i guess i guess you could call him a poet but uh yeah i, th- I think i think for sure i think he definitely counts i th- also think he's written books of poems so, yeah, he probably has um yeah i mean it's it's like this super antiquated feels like the wrong word but like it's primal or like it's like one of the very first arts or something you know so there's something very beautiful about it i agree i hope i hope all of our poets out there are uh are making it though making ends meet uh shout us out in the comments if you're a poet and you listen to the show yeah yeah um sh- yeah snap snap those fingers in the comments if you're uh yeah. if you're a poet right uh, during the tour, we also glimpse Diane Dylan's uh, humanitarian side when he takes time to pay uh, an unscheduled visit to rec- record company executives to ensure rapid release of his new song "Hurricane." Uh, the musician's contribution to efforts to exonerate Reuben Hurricane Carter, a celebrated boxer wrongfully convicted of murder. Uh, documentary footage of the meeting is followed by a scene in which actor Michael Murphy. Uh, in his signature role as U.S. Representative Jack Tanner in the Robert Altman film Tanner 88, uh, delivers a tall tale that credits the fictional Tanner with persuading President Jimmy Carter to intervene on the boxer's behalf. Uh, Despite his fictional interlude as Rolling Thunder Review shows, uh, the campaign by Dylan and others uh, would eventually lead to the retrial and release of Reuben Carter. Yeah, this stuff's pr- really cool. Uh, right, yeah. the whole the whole backstory and and obviously a really a really good performance uh, we get to see of, of Hurricane. Um, it's cool that they you know they got Ruben Hurricane Carter to interview for this. It's great. Yeah, it's a really special part of the of the whole sequence, and it's like kind of uh, you know it. You get this feeling that I don't really have too much faith in anymore. The world's just so different now, you know, but like that like a song or a film could really change the world, you know, that like that it could really make a difference. Feels like right. it feels like that just is a kind of a thing of yesteryear, you know? Yeah, unfortunately, uh kind of is. Um not to be depressing, it, you know, but you know, it's like it it when you see this, it makes me kind of miss feeling that way. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, there is a theme throughout the, uh, the movie leading up to this sort of about, um, Dylan, like there, like at one point someone yells out, uh, at a concert, like play a protest song or whatever. And there's sort of these like little, uh, hints to the idea that like Dylan isn't doing as many protest songs or whatever lately, um, in this part of his career. Um, so it was cool to see that leading into him doing hurricane. Yeah. Man, I don't know. Like I, I'm trying to, so, a lot of these songs are from Desire, which came out in, let me check, January 5th, 76. Oh, okay. So a lot of these songs weren't even released yet. You know, mm-hmm. like One More Cup of Coffee and. Right. Uh, what else does he play from that? One More Cup of Coffee, uh, Hurricane. Oh, sister, mm. they do, and uh, maybe that's it. Well, uh, but, uh, is, uh, is, is is ISIS is part of it, right? ISIS, yeah, ISIS as well. 
Yeah. I didn't just bring that up for a hilarious joke, people. <laughs> um, it's kind of a great... That, I mean, look, that's kind of a great performance, too, of ISIS, that one we get oh, like, yeah. kind of right at the top. Yeah. Really good. Really good. Um, let's see here. The tour comes to a stop in Montreal. Von, Van Dorp states that the only reason he agreed to be interviewed for the documentary was to stake his claim uh, over the footage from the tour, which makes up the bulk of the film. Uh, Ginsburg encourages the viewer to follow the example of the performers they've witnessed and go on their own journeys of self-discovery. Bob Dylan continues to tour after the Rolling Thunder review, playing over 3,000 shows over the course of 40 years. Huh. Yeah, we get this this cool, uh, you know, what was it called? Like the credit style uh, tour dates of Dylan. Right, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really, uh, yeah, it's really, in, it's really an interesting sort of, I don't know what you would call it, like kind of ending. It's, it, 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 it's, it's, it, there's almost in there like a bit of a a fable or some kind of lesson, morality tale about how to live your life, which I very much agree with. You know, these, the, these folks seized the moment. They seized the time and they seized the day and they went out and they had a big adventure. And yeah, I mean, it, this one guy got exonerated from prison and, you know, a bunch of great songs were written, but I think doing this just for the sake of doing it is is very much worth it, and you know, felt like a felt like a call to action almost at the end, like like go out and and live your life, have an adventure. I also think Van Dorp was a great part of this documentary. That's something we didn't talk about, but the guy who actually filmed all this stuff went around with Dylan. That wasn't easy, you know, and he got some great footage i think um, yeah oh yeah yeah and he he seems a little salty but at at the end of the day he he's you know he got to do something pretty amazing in following dylan around uh through this period and taking all that great you know getting all that great footage and he's part of like him and pennebaker really the only the main two guys that were able to capture Dylan in the wild this way. It, it really the only sort of documentation we have of who, who this guy was, you know? Um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a pretty cool, uh, it's a pretty cool moment in uh, not just Dylan, but like music. Uh, you know, it, it says a lot about the seventies and music. Cause I, this kind of thing just like doesn't happen. You know? Right, and uh, anymore, and uh, it's a shame. Right. Well, I mean, could you could you imagine freaking, um, you know, Justin Bieber and uh, <laughs> I, I don't know Taylor Swift going out on tour dressed as you know clowns, <laughs> uh, playing playing you know little theaters. Can I imagine it? <laughs> yeah. I- Yes, I can imagine it. I do. I want to go see that. Not really. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> and and really though, nothing against anyone specifically, like a Taylor Swift or a Justin Bieber, but like more something against. I feel like people today, just in general, like. We we don't we're not very diligent or responsible I think as a as young people and as a society of really like going out and and adventuring anymore. Like I don't like a lot of my friends like don't even travel really. <laughs> like you know um so it's uh it's a thing that I I think about a lot you know, as I'm in my mid thirties, you know, I'm not a, not quite a young lad anymore, but I am, uh, still, uh, very much interested in, in the same things that I was when I was, uh, when I was younger. And I, and I believe that, uh, I still have a lot of life left to devote to some of this stuff. So I guess what I'm trying to say, Eric, is uh, I quit the podcast and I'm going to just take a long road trip through the heartland and, I got sh- I I've invited many of the same people from this concert 
Sharon, we should do Sharon this. Stone. We, we should do a Rolling Thunder review, but just like podcast right. people. Yeah, yeah. We'll get like, we'll get like the the Doughboys. It's just a bunch of podcasters like on stage, right. all podcasting at the same time. Right. Yeah. Simultaneously. Kind of annoying. <laughs> <laughs> What? Well, Jeremy, what oh. what do you think of this uh, damn documentary? I love it. I think it's great. I gave No Direction Home a 3.5. I think I stand by that. That's a really good documentary, too. I'm giving this one a 3.75, though, because I like it just a little more. But I think it's a really good... Uh, I think like we, we talked about it up top most, so I don't need to go over it all again. But I, like you, I think just really appreciated the focus of this one as compared to the last one we saw. So, you know, 3.75 sounds good to me. I'm doing oh, that one as well. You dirty uh, dog. 3.75, you know, it's really good. It's good stuff. I actually, you know what, the reason there's not uh it's not a 4. I want more. Oh yeah. I want more yeah. specifically concert footage and there's plenty of it in here. Right. But Right. Show me more. I know there's more. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, that was our episode on uh, the Rolling Thunder Review, uh, the uh, wonderful documentary. Uh, we are getting back into the Sandlers next week. Uh, let's see here. We have to be getting close to the end, right? Of Sandler? Of Sandler. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. It never, um, it never just, feels we, that way, but... We covered Pixels. Uh, Jeremy, What's we're next? finally going to find out what happens in the next installment of Hotel Transylvania. Oh, what is it, two? Yeah. Wow. And, and we then, have to do those, huh? <laughs> I, I think we decided we do, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know you're right. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got Hotel Transylvania 2, and then after that, he st- we start the Netflix yeah, okay. I like stuff. I'm looking forward to it. Me the too. ridiculous six. Me Haven't too. Seen that the do over, Sandy Wexler, Meyerwitz stories I've seen, it's great. Week of I've seen is is good. Yeah. But we're not, you know, we are getting close. We are getting a li- incrementally closer. So next week, look forward to Hotel Transylvania two. And thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening. Go to patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy for all your bonus content needs and Norma I'll see you in my dreams